the road to consciousness we're going to solve the mystery of consciousness which is the biggest mystery in human history <laughs> how we're going to do it we're going to list every single thing we know across multiple disciplines put it into two buckets one knowledge justified true belief epistemological definition enough data enough evidence that we can safely say that this is how it is it's it's knowledge and then assumptions when we have competing theories or we don't know quite enough about a specific area we're going to have to make assumptions because when you're trying to figure out consciousness it's easy to go around in circles and get nowhere so we're going to have to just push forward let's talk about the mind I've been thinking a lot about what the mind-body problem is and what the mind is specifically in relation to consciousness. I have one data point and that's me. And I have one experimental point and that's me. <laughs> so I've been trying to really think hard that when I am conscious and I'm going through life, what is the actual experience I'm having? We want to determine what the step function is from sensation to perception and the big step function between perception and experience. Because we perceive through our senses, fine, there's many things that get stitched together by our physical brain, but what is it that gives us that experience of consciousness? We don't just go through life living through perception we live in an experience world we we see colors we hear music we feel things that experience is different from the mind the mind is a thought when i am conscious i realize i'm not actively placing or as i'm going through life or doing whatever i'm doing i'm not actively placing mental energy into it like there's not an image that comes in my mind it's just i I just experience it. I feel it. I don't have to think specifically about that experience. Whereas when I have a mental image, let's say I, I load something from my memory, for lack of better term. I want to try and avoid computer terms, but I access something in my memory and then I think about it. Something from a previous epi epi episodic memory in the hippocampus, um, which I believe is the left part of the hippocampus. Like I replay an event, I think about something. That's different. I have a mental image of something that previously happened. It's different from the current conscious experience that I'm having. That's what I realized. One other thing I realized is I can't experience the brain. I know that the brain has different regions. It has different lobes. It has different functions depending on the region of the brain. But I can't even force myself to experience any of those electrical signals, any of the neurotransmitters, any... Any of the, the wonderful intertwined nuclei of the, the, the neurons in my brain that continuously are firing and doing an incredible amount of things all to give you like one second of your conscious experience. Now, I realize that's by design. If we were able to experience the brain, it would be a terrible overall experience. And evolution has given us the ability not to worry about I guess experience I don't know if we go back to let's say reptiles how they experience the world or I, I, I doubt they also experience their brain but our consciousness then gives us that ability to have a rich subjective experience without having to worry what's happening at the small scale which is kind of fair it's a good thing but I realized even though I know which regions when I just mentioned like the memory in the hippocampus or you know something happens to my endocrine system or I get hungry I know my hypothalamus is kicking in to receive signals about that hunger from the rest of my body, but like I don't experience that. I don't experience generally the rest of my body except for my proprioception, which 
is my limbs and the position of my body in terms of the space that I'm in. So that's super fascinating as well. And yes, if there's an interrupt, like hunger is an example, then we consciously think about it. But even then, we don't mentally think about it. So the mind-body problem, although very obviously interrelated to the consciousness problem, are two separate problems. When we mentally load or think about an image, then that pops up in our brain, although it's even not... It's not as succinct as like replaying the whole thing. You just think about something or someone and you have a mental image that you sort of re-experience or there's a physiological or a causal effect that happens when you remember especially it was i mean memories are normally linked to emotion emotional significance plays a key role in that memory and so the stronger we remember is probably because there was a stronger emotion attached to it but that is using our mental realm. And when we close our eyes and maybe we think about something that we know of in the world, that also uses our mental realm. And that basically triggers the same thing as consciousness in terms of like our reaction to it, right? So it's definitely super interesting that our consciousness, the way we have it now, it seems like it just happens. And maybe this is a byproduct of evolution and that's a competing theory that, hey, we just evolved to have the experience of life and one more step function to the meaning, but our consciousness is there for the ride essentially, which doesn't say much in terms of downward causation because at some point I then experience, but I think about what to do next. Our brains are always predicting the future at the micro level and the macro level i just predicted i was going to put my hand on the table there was a certain set of expectations i had consciously and even subconsciously because i needed to do so many things to reduce the pressure of the final stages of like i'm not banging my hand on the table i'm placing it on the table so the downward causation from my mind it's not even my mind my consciousness because i didn't necessarily visualize my hand going on the table all i did was have an experience that i wanted that to happen in the future so it's like i'm placing experiences expectations consciously into my brain again for lack of i don't want to use computer terms but it's it's programming it's you're essentially telling your brain you want to do something without knowing the underlying structure of the brain like now i have some guides i know that when i'm saying to put my hand on the table i'm essentially the frontal lobe and the the primary motor cortex is planning it and then the association or vice versa a cortex a motor cortex is executing on it and there's a whole bunch of neurology involved to actually make my hand move and then you know my arm and my muscle and uh, you know sliding muscle theory or that sort of stuff uh there's so much to it and then you get the senses back to your parietal lobe and and, you know the cerebellum probably for involuntary movement in terms of like things that movement that you remember so even knowing about it doesn't necessarily mean that you are consciously aware of it so you're really telling your subconscious and your brain to execute on something that you only have a very high level understanding of what that is you don't know how to execute it and that's where your brain just does it and that's a magical phenomenal thing <laughs> now downward causation has been discussed i'm going to make 
I, I have to make an assumption here, one way or the other. And that's almost to the question of whether we have free will. Because free will, downward causation will mean that we have some level of free will. At the micro level, we don't have free will. At the micro level, reality is playing out the way it does. But the emergence of our complex brain and our consciousness, we experience free will. I'm going to make that assumption. Regardless of what's happening, and this is the objective reality discussion, regardless of what's happening objectively in, in a scientific world, in our macro world, we have free will. We have downward causation. There is very hard to discuss this point because anybody you ask, like, how oh, how is your experience of life? They're going to tell you they have free will. They are making choices. Whether they are actually always was going to do what they were going to do matters at some level, but for our understanding of consciousness and our experience of life, I'm not actually sure it matters that much. So I'm going to make the assumption that at our macro level, we have free will and downward causation, and the world is not necessarily playing out to a governed set of laws. It's a big statement, but that's the whole point of this. have to make some levels of assumptions if we can figure this. We will figure this out. What I guess going back to the me being the subject of my use case and study, I still am trying to get my head around how the consciousness I don't I don't I don't have to think about consciousness consciousness is there which tells me like I I don't have to think about stitching it all together or it's a very seamless experience when we say stream of consciousness that's what it means it's just a continuous seamless experience of space or maybe we could break it down that way I'm experiencing space and time Obviously, I'm localized to my environment here in my living room. I'm experiencing all of the perceptions and sensations in my spatial location. I can imagine being somewhere else of places that I've been that I know. So there's definitely an element of being able to understand your space in the current world but or environment and also seeing yourself in other environments so to answer the question why do we have consciousness one of the answers potentially is that we learn especially i i would say with our eyes i think the visual part of being able to understand the environment around you is super crucial being able to internally conceptualize what our environment is in a manner where we could predict what we should do next to you know stay alive that's what i'd say why consciousness evolved obviously it's a massive survival advantage but the way that it evolved is interesting i would say the eyes played a major role in our sensory input same with the ears and, and smell and taste and touch but eyes essentially i think gave us such a big step function of being able to visualize the world and then consciously we grew to experience that and internally apply it to ourself. Self is super fascinating. As you know, it's a very similar thing to consciousness where we just experience it. There's no easy way to quantify what it is you're experiencing when you talk about self. So it's definitely intertwined that our consciousness and self 
relating the world to ourselves and what we should do then in terms of the world and the and the environment is really why we develop consciousness still what we're trying to get the heart at is what is that experience that we actually have and how does it work how can the brain itself being a physical entity regardless of the mental or maybe that's a piece of the puzzle maybe the fact that we can mentally apply energy in our heads to give us an image of previous or or future because we think about when we plan things we sort of underlyingly think about what we're going to do before we do it so maybe the mental realm is tied to that experience i'm assuming it's the same thing if we could figure out how mentally we understand the world we're probably one step closer to figuring out how consciousness works so that's super fascinating to try and follow this trail but on myself because i don't know about anybody else (laughs)